yeah, and all this time I've been here, I've never heard Jimmy's uh, Jimmy's story. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing your share, Jimmy. Thank you for being here, and uh, the floor is all yours. Thanks, Jim. Uh, my name's Jimmy. Person in recovery, I suppose. Um, um, started off with alcohol, um, and um, that was my first uh, introduction to recovery. And I feel like I'm in America. It's mad, you know. And I'm sitting in Ireland, and this is where Tuss Nua started. And I hear all these Americans saying all this stuff about meetings and, and, and things like that, you know. I don't normally come at this time of day because it's, for me it's six o'clock in the evening and at six o'clock in the evening I'm usually winding down big time. Um, I live in a very uh, rural place and uh, I tend not to go out after, you know, I, I don't go out in the evenings. And I live here with my wife and my dog. Our dog, sorry. Um, <laughs> But I, you know, it's, and also my, yeah, this will become clear later. My internet's working at the moment at this time of the evening. It didn't always work this time of the evening. That's why you have Tosnua, believe it or not. So thanks to really bad internet, you wouldn't have Tosnua. Um, where do I start? Um, I suppose it's, I have one, you know, the stories and I could go on and on and on. Uh, but, I, you know, Jim said at the start of the meeting there that, you know, keep it's an hour long and keep it open later on, you know, if people want it open later. I can only handle an hour, you know, God love you. And I don't mean any harm to anybody, but after an hour, my brain is fried enough that I, I'm gone. So by come seven o'clock, I'm away and I don't care how interesting or exciting it gets. I'm out, you know. Because that's that's me burnt out at that stage. Um so I'm I yeah. So that's that one. And where did I start off? I started off um I, I grew up in the west of Ireland, uh, in a small fishing port. Well, big fishing Ireland's biggest fishing port. Um father was a carpenter, but he died when I was about a year old, so I don't remember him. I have one brother. Um so my mother was a widowed woman. Didn't know we were poor enough. Um, we had no. We lived in a house. We had no indoor plumbing. Um, this is nineteen sixties Ireland. Um, <laughs> a very different place than it is now. So I I didn't have any influence of alcohol in my life. My brother never drank. Uh, he's fifteen years older than me, by the way, uh, and he never smoked either. Um, don't know why. I never could get that conversation going with him. He'd always say, ah, oh, I didn't want to do it or didn't like it. I don't know what he saw. I don't know what he experienced. But um, my life grew growing up was very much, um, I never fitted in, didn't like school at all. It was a horrible place, um, full of bullies and crap. And I never fitted in at all with it. And I never fitted in with uh I was never part of, I suppose, normality. And normality, when I was we was um, there was a lot of religion, and school was about that. It was about God. It was about, yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I didn't like it um, at all. And um, 
it was always a torture to be have anything to do with it. I liked drawing, and I liked um, I liked the sort of when I was a little. This the female teachers were quite nice, um, but as I got older, you know, I I'm a, I'm what they would have called a slow learner, and I don't know am I dyslexic or not because I never got the test done. And nowadays it would cost me 500 euro and I'm not paying for that to find out. Um, but I know I, I can read and I learned to read from an early age because it was an escapism for me. I could read stories and I could disappear. But writing, I, I still not great at it. Um, I don't, um, I'm counting, you know, after 10, I'm on my fingers. Um, unlike our friend Mark here, Mark has great head on him for numbers. Uh, I just don't have it. And people say to me, you know, that I'm mathematical. I, I don't get it because I can't figure that out. You know, I work with computers. <laughs> it's another story, but it's part of the story of recovery. I, I'm not going too long about the, that, you know, but that's kind of where I come from. Um, and I didn't drink till I was 18, but I never fit it in. I never played sports. I never was part of the gang. Um the cool kids, whatever they were, you know, I wasn't one of them. I had a couple of friends growing up. I wasn't totally alone. Um, I was obsessed with motorbikes from when I was about this size. Because <laughs> my brother had a motorbike. Um, and to me, they were an escape as well. Freedom. Um, couldn't wait to grow up and have one. Um I left school when I was 14 because I had to stay there until I was 14 because of the laws of the land. And I started working in the local cinema. I got a job um, working in the projection room, um, showing the movies. And that was great because it was mechanical. Um, big, big, big projectors churning around. Um, it was also electrical. So I learned a lot about electricity. Three phase electricity. <laughs> Uh, so I learned a lot there um, and uh, it was working at nights and, and weekends uh, and and my friends were starting to go out to pubs and places and hang out and I wasn't because it was a lot of time was spent working and in the daytime I worked in a factory uh, making fishing nets so it was you know I had a motorbike and, um, so that was you know that was my life uh, I had no idea, you know. I didn't go to mass like everyone else. Um, and uh, when I was 18, um, my mum had died when I was 17, so I was on my own then. And uh, that was a big shock, obviously. Um, so I was living by myself, and I had a friend who was smoking weed, um, we didn't have grass in Ireland at that stage. All we had was Lebanese hash <laughs> brought back by the army who were stationed out there. So that was my first um, getting out of my head experience was the, was the hash. And I really liked it, you know, loved it. And, um, you know, motorbikes and and not like what you guys would have in the States. We weren't that kind of bikers at all. We were... Our motorbikes had to go around corners and have suspension because our roads were bad, um, and there was no gang. You know, there was weren't, weren't in, there was none of that kind of stuff went on here. 
So we'd go to festivals, music festivals and stuff. And I still didn't drink. My friends were drinking. I didn't see. I just didn't have no notion for it, you know. It was like, I don't need that, you know. I, I didn't. I don't know why. just didn't. And when I was 18, a friend of mine gave me um, charity and coke. And he says, here, try that. Um, so they, they, him and a couple of guys had to rescue me from the toilet later because I'd passed out there. So that was my first experience of alcohol. Um, and after that, it was just pints, you know, normal sort of Irish drinking, a few pints now and again, you know, at the weekends. And, uh, and I ended up not in great shape. Like, as I said, I was living by myself and the job wasn't great. Like the, the factory job was pretty poor. So I ended up um, getting sacked because I couldn't turn up in the morning. Um, because of staying up too late and smoking fucking dope, you know, it's kind of obvious, but, uh, you know, and I thought it was, and I also thought it was stupid because we've been told that from an early age, you know, from, from, from school teachers and, you know, people in authority. So I went, um, I was smoking and drinking, not drinking too much and hanging out and, just generally trying to sort of be a young, you know, a young man, teenager. <laughs> and uh, and I had no money. And a friend of mine was was a fisherman and he was going out in the boat. We were after coming back from motorbike race. And he said, fuck it, we're stuck for a cook. Would you come out? Um, and I says, yeah, okay. So I went out in the boat. Um, I'd never been on a big trawler before. And they made me cook. You know, there was three other guys in the uh, and they were great, you know. <laughs> they showed me how to fry a steak. I'd never seen a steak. So I, that was my that was the start of my career as a fisherman, and I stuck at it for a long time. Um, and it was great, and because it was mechanical, I got the jobs of doing the engine and all that stuff. And it was great lifestyle because we'd go out for at that time we'd go out for two days, and we'd come in, we'd land our fish. Um, go up and have a few pints, go back out again, two days, come in under fish and then take a weekend off. And we drink. And that was the lifestyle of fishermen. When you were ashore, you drank. And when you were out, you didn't. Because we didn't have alcohol on board. Um, and it really suited me. I remember being really stoned and going out in the boat and enjoying the trip out, you know, and then sort of being, you know, coming down and being sober for the rest of the trip. And our fishing changed then. We went on from doing two, three day trips into doing week long trips and so on. Um, so uh, the lifestyle changed and the drinking changed with it and the smoking and the whole lot, you know, the living just changed. Um, by the time I was 20, 22, I had met this lovely woman and we'd moved in together, which in the small town where I came from was. Um, wasn't a done thing, you know. We were living in sin, and fucking people let me know it, you know. And we were only living about, about three doors down from the church, uh, and then we we had a baby, and uh, she's forty years old now. Uh, and I just spent a great weekend with her, uh, but so I was against against society, against the the run of it, the norm. Uh, and when we had our baby, people, I remember meeting, like where I come from, you, 
when you meet people on the street, you said hello to people. Um, it's just what everybody did, you know. You just—it's not like where maybe some of you guys grow up. But um, I remember walking in the street and there was people just cutting me dead. And I didn't know what was going on, and then I figured it out and was fuck them. Ugh, you know, that was my attitude. Uh, my friends were in the pubs. <clears throat> um, that didn't last. That, we lasted five years and we had another little girl as well. Uh, who I get on great with as well today. Um, and when that ended, I was on the downward spiral um, at that stage near the end because we weren't happy, we were only fucking young. But we weren't we weren't working out at all. Um, we were living in a crazy lifestyle. There was parties and there was infidelity and you know it was madness at, at, for us at that time and trying to have two little children in the middle of it all and I remember it used to push my motorbike away from the house I'd come out of the pub three four in the morning push the motorbike away from the house so she wouldn't hear it start and, and head out and drive around the fucking back roads of Ireland um, crazy stuff you know but I survived it and then I went downhill after that, obviously, more because I was depressed. I was, I don't know, I was always depressed when I was a kid. I'm not sure or younger, but um, that time anyway, I was depressed. Um, you know, I was 25, 26, my marriage was over. You know, life was over. And um, I didn't know what to do, so I drank more. Um, and I ended up getting, um, I ended up in hospital from drink. And as a friend of mine puts it nicely, you, you got spin dried because that's what they used to do. You know, they used to put you into the hospital, dry you out for a few days and uh, send you off again, you know. And it was like a merry-go-round for the local alcoholics. But I didn't know that, you know. I didn't know how or what was going on for me. I knew I wasn't in great form. I knew life was, wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know where I was at at all. Um, and I was very confused, I suppose, by a lot of it. But I I ended up that um, how I got to the hospital is, you see, this is the thing about, this is a secular, so-called secular meeting thing, um, fellowship, whatever you want to call it. I, you know, and people think I'm some kind of atheist and secular dude. I'm not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know what's out there. I don't know what's in there or anything else. I'm just a person. And how I got to the hospital when I was that time was um, this American guy was on holidays and he gave me a lift and he was 20 miles out of his way. And I met him in the pub in the morning as I was having a coffee, as I was waiting for the bus or a taxi to take me to the hospital. And I met him and we talked and he said, I'll give you a lift because the hospital was in the same direction as to where he was going to check out his ancestors. And he talked to me all the way and it was a 60 mile drive. Um, and he was sober for a long time. I don't remember how long, but he was a, a guy in his 50s or 60s and he was sober. And he basically talked to me about his story, you know, Um if he hadn't given me that lift, I doubt I would have went in the door of the hospital because I would have probably chickened out on the way. 
So I don't know what my story would be then. But that's my story. <clears throat> People can look on it and say, oh, he was sent, blah, 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 serendipity. Whatever you want. Take whatever you like out of it, you know. To me, it was like, wow, thanks. And, that, and that's the story of my, my um, lots of things that got in my life have happened. And I can't put a reason on them. I can't put a finger on them. You can call them higher power, whatever you want. I just take it as it is. And that's what happened. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very lucky. So I spent a couple of weeks in there getting spin dried. Um, and uh, they introduced us to a program of, of uh, you know, uh, a sort of group therapy thing. Uh, it was three or four times a week uh, in in the local nut house, which was actually next door to the hospital. Um, and that was a, that was an interesting experience going in there, you know, once or twice a week or twice, twice a week was it? I can't remember. Anyway, it was 1990 and, um, I went in there and sat there in a circle of people and that's great, you know, get into this and, you know, find out what's going on with me and sort myself out. And everybody was so fucking. Like, nobody wanted to be there, you know? A lot of them didn't want to, because they were been fucking pushed in by the law and whatever. It was like, geez, this is hard work. <laughs> Not hard work for in the sense that I want to get into this council and stuff, but hard work with the group that was just didn't want to do anything. But it worked out, and in came these two guys one day, it's a big book, and gave us an AA meeting. And that was the first time I had seen the the big book or any connection with AA and it was interesting and there was a symbol in the book the triangle and the circle you know and it fucking freaked me out because I was living in, I was staying in a hostel while this was going on a, a youth hostel and I figured out a room in it and my head was so fried at the time that I was trying to do some meditation and trying to sort myself out a bit and um, every time I closed my eyes the dark forces of fucking evil would come at me you know? um, whatever it was I couldn't settle couldn't couldn't stay still um, and I and then somewhere in my head from hippie lifestyles I remembered this thing about a pyramid being a safe space, you know, a sacred spot. So I imagined this pyramid around, this big circle around me. And that was where I would sort of get a bit of peace for a few seconds or a few minutes. And when I saw that fucking circle, <laughs> they simply in the book, I was like, Jesus, fuck, you know, just <laughs> strike me down the, you know. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, that was that, and and I did that, and uh, I remember at the concert, the went to group therapy saying about uh, dope. I said I smoke dope, and the minister says, "Oh, don't worry about that now. Just concentrate on the drink." Fair enough. <laughs> we do that. So I left there and uh, came home to my hometown. My friend picked me up, who had been in recovery for two years at that stage, and she said, "Let's go to a meeting." That's great, we're going to a meeting. So we headed off to an AA meeting, which is about, it was 10 miles away from us. But first of all, she went into the local pub to score some dope. And uh, we rolled a joint, and that was my, you know. So I spent two, 
three years doing that in recovery, smoking and drinking and not drinking and smoking. Um, thinking I was I was sober, um, and went through another relationship. Well, it was in another relationship. I'd moved. I did a geographical was work, and I ended up in a lovely part of the country, um, fishing again. And I stopped going to meetings, and I spent three years um, out there without going to meetings, and I started drinking again, slowly. Uh, first, it was a few pints in the pub, and uh, and then at some point it changed, and I started drinking at home, and I started hiding bottles. Because my partner was, uh, she'd go away for a weekend, I'd drink some kind of crap gin or something, whatever was there. And I'd hide the bottles and that. I'd never done that before. Um, that went on for about three years, to say, or, or near enough. And anyway, I ended up in a bad spot again. That relationship ended and I was in a bad way again. And I didn't, I, you know, and I, and I was contemplating suicide at that stage. <laughs> and I, um, I rang a member, and the member I rang was a guy who used to used to meet around town. I knew him, and he was the only guy I'd ever meet. And he'd never say you're drinking, you're not drinking. How are you? What? You just talk about the sad little thing, the weather, you know, whatever was going on. And he was the guy I rang, and he became my sponsor for for that time. And that was how I got back here, and I haven't looked back six since. And that was nineteen ninety six, um, right then. And uh, I was, and here we go again, it landed into the middle of it. Um, I was, I suppose, maybe, oh, what, about maybe six months sober at the time. When the, in the little town I was living in, and uh, the circus came to town in the form of a film that they were making. And uh production manager was one of us. And he was uh, a lovely guy. And he was very full on, very busy. And he came in and he says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm not doing much. I wasn't fishing at the time. He says, come in the morning, I'll give you a job. <laughs> so I ended up working on this film. And he handed me the keys, this big Jeep. And he says, you know, but mechanics, pure cars, will you look after them? Set back in the 1930s. They had four or five vintage cars and you know, my job was to move them around set, you know, from one area to the other. So I ended up doing that and I decided the day before I got this that I would stop smoking cigarettes. So I had just stopped smoking cigarettes and cigarettes. And I'm up at the and at this stage up at seven in the morning and back at seven in the evening. It's like you know, and there was a lot of white knuckles and on. But I, I st- and I haven't smoked cigarettes since So that was that. Um and I did that for, it was three months or something doing that. It was great fun watching all the egos and all the madness that went on in that kind of scene. I don't know if any of you guys are involved in that kind of work, but you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, I had fun doing that. <clears throat> and it all ended. And um, and I was at an AA meeting and I heard these guys saying, oh, them drug people are having a meeting um, in another town uh, tomorrow night. I don't know what, I started drunk people. I thought, go to that. Because at this stage, my dope smoking was um, hard work. 
I was getting very paranoid when I'd smoked the joint. So I went to this NA meeting and uh, there was a girl from Cork and she was down and uh, somebody had, hadn't managed to get the key in the meeting room. So we ended up in someone's front sitting room in a meeting um, and it was great crack. It was so nice to hear people talk about about drugs. And um, I went home. Um, to, I was living in a little caravan and I, next day I like, made a bit of hash and I threw them out into the stream. And that was the hardest thing I'd done in a long time. And I'd heard alcoholics talking about throwing alcohol down sinks and into toilets and how difficult that was. I had no problem with that. I could, you know, that wasn't a problem for me, but throwing away the hash was hard because I used to keep little bits, you know, enough for a joint in a book or hidden somewhere just in case. So that was it. Um, and then a friend in this fellowship one day was, we were talking and she said, this book, this book, you might, you might be interested in SLAA. A mind blowing thing. Um, because it was, it was, I was going through the relationship uh, withdrawals and uh, that really helped. I could understand what was going on with relationships and you know, what was going on with me, kind of people I was attracted to. It opened up a whole new area. And that was, um, that was good. That was really good. A, a big part of my recovery. Because I didn't know any of this. See, a lot, I, I remember at a meeting, I heard a guy saying one time he didn't know that he didn't know. And I could really relate to that because I did not know a lot of stuff. Um, and in the meantime, between all this was happening, somewhere along the line, my partner was a journalist and she'd bought a computer and I think called Word Perfect on it. And uh, she showed, I may as well be looking at the wall, you know. And she, and she showed me this and she said, look, and it did this thing called a spell check. What the? You know, suddenly there was a tool because <laughs> I can't spell. Uh, I said, what? So I got interested and then I wanted to know how they worked. Um, so I went off and did a course on how they, how they work physically. And I learned to build them, learned to work on them. Um, run my own little business. Uh, have been doing for 20 years uh, on, online. Um, um, I don't know what you call us. Um, it's more um, network engineer. I've did, did a lot of work like that. Anyway, so that's just for people, you know, that might be coming around or they're stuck or think their life's over by the time they're 30 or 40. There's a lot more to it, you know. Um, and a lot opened up for me. Um, all thanks to just being, to staying away from it one day at a time. There was no big revelations. There was no big shining lights, uh, you know, flashes of anything or whatever. Um, and it's all through people, um, people I met here. And I did, I, I, I got good people. I learned things like stick with the winners. And one of my sponsors said to me, it's nice to be nice. It was this thing. He used to say, it's nice to be nice. And it is nice to be nice. Um, I was in the a supermarket today and two people came behind me and they had very little. And I said, one at the teller, I said, go ahead, mate. Because uh, I don't, I, I wasn't in a hurry. 
And they were very thankful and they didn't have a lot of stuff either. So, and we chatted because I did that. And then we had a conversation uh, about just anything. And it's nice that, you know, I could have just stood there and said nothing and be quiet and we couldn't everybody stand there. You know, we're all standing there waiting to get out the fucking door and give away our money. And it's just that little interaction, that human interaction with someone else. Um, it's nice. And I learned that, you know. I went from, when I was in a bad way, I used to be able to go into the supermarket book and take off my crash on it. I'd leave it on because I didn't fucking want to talk to anyone. I didn't want to see anyone. You know, I just wanted to get my stuff and get it. So that's a big change, you know. It's a huge difference, a huge circle to come around. Um, and then in t- that this, you know, I, w- I want to get in. Th- one of the reasons I did this too, Jim, I don't like doing this. I mean, my story is no different, and it's just a story. But I think I want to tell Snua to say, you know, for a lot of people that might be listening to this, how did this start? You know, because people say, what's Tosnua? What does it mean? Where did it come from? One guy asked me, how long have you been planning this? <laughs> you know, what research did you do? It's like, you know, and I've had people come up to me and give out to me and say, this is not fucking AA and you're, you're destroying AA. And I didn't set out to do any of that. <sighs> Pandemic hit. And I was sitting, I live in the countryside. I don't have a connection. I live off grid. Uh, we make our own electricity. And that's another thing. We built our own house. You know, for people who are, are struggling or people who are wondering, I, I've never built a house before. We built a wooden house. We built it our own design and everything. And we learned as we went along. We made a lot of mistakes, but we can live in our house. You know, here I am living in it. My own electricity. With solar and wind. Learned how to build wind turbines. I've taught people how to make wind turbines. Um, there's a whole load of stuff like that 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 has changed, that this being sober has brought me, being clean. Um, but anyway, getting back to this new, um, pandemic was happening and our, our inter- my internet is mobile internet. It's picking up uh, the GSM signal. It's, it's, it's 4G now. <laughs> and when the pandemic was on, in the evenings, uh, from five o'clock onwards, everyone was watching Netflix. So the bandwidth was like zero where I am, and I'm on the end of it. So I was getting nothing. So my 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 bit of speed, the only time I could get on meetings was in the middle of the day for me, around one o'clock, two o'clock, or early mornings. And uh, I was going to a meeting in Cleveland, Ohio, the uh, free thinkers in Cleveland. I was, I, it was really nice. I like I liked the idea of free thinking. I thought, that's nice. These people are not praying, because I don't like to pray, but... When I went to meetings first, they used to just say uh, a serenity prayer at the end of the meeting. And then people started saying fucking Lord's prayers and Jesus and our father. I was like, don't do that. I don't, you know, I, I, I'm not a religious person. I don't know what I believe. I don't believe it. You know, it doesn't, doesn't bother me. <clears throat> um, but don't do that. You know, that's not, not for me. So anyway, that was that. And I was going to say, and um thought, I needed a meeting around one o'clock and there was, and I just thought, start one, you know. And I said to a few people, there's a couple of people here that were there that day, I think. And a few people came along and just borrowed their slides and started a meeting. 
announced thing. What do we call it, you know? And Tusnua is uh, our Gaelic language, our Irish language. And, um, anyway, that's, and it means a new start, a new beginning. And it was just a nice name to pick. And because I work online and I have tons of servers and web stuff, I just did a website. It only took me about 10 minutes. I registered a .eu domain name for, it was a five-year-old. Um, we didn't have Zoom. Then we bought, then a few people contributed a few bob and we paid for Zoom. We're paying for Zoom on a monthly basis. Then we paid for it. And here we are today, you know, was, it was 2020. That's what, four years ago? Almost in June. And that's how it started. So for anyone who's wondering where it came from, Derek, that's the history of it. And Mark has been there from the beginning, you know. Uh, and a lot of good people have come along since. And I'm very grateful for that. I mean, I couldn't believe the amount of people that came along. And, I, and as I say, it didn't start, it was never planned. It was never, and it was never planned as being secular or atheist or agnostic or any of that stuff. It just happened, you know. And I think agnostic's good myself because it's like, it's free space for people to be themselves. That's what it's about. And that's what I learned. That's what I liked about coming to the early days of, of recovery for me was um, we don't care who or what you are, you're here and uh, we'll help you if we can. And that was a simple message. Nobody was judging me, you know. And that's why I stayed, I suppose. Um, I didn't stay in the places where people were trying to convert me to whatever it was they thought or whatever conspiracy theory was going on in their head. Uh, I avoid them. You know, um, I don't. I don't mind what you believe. I don't mind what you believe in, but don't push it on me. You know, I'm, I'm not going to push my views on you. And that's simple. That's simple stuff. Um, so that's it. So that's why I thought I'd do this today, Jim, because it, I mean I've been avoiding this for ages. I, I don't do talks. You know, I, I remember being introduced to uh, did a talk, did a talk on renewable energy to a. Uh, like three, four hundred people at a at a thing locally. And the man that introduced me knew me from another area I was involved in a few years beforehand. And he was a writer and he wrote a few books on the econ- econ- uh he was an economist. Uh poor guy's dead now, but he was a really nice guy and I liked him. Um and I was involved in a local economy trading system. For those of you who don't know what that is, you can check it out on the internet somewhere, Google will tell you all about it. Um, anyway, this man introduced me and he said, I know this man, <laughs> he said, he says, I know this, I know Jeremy from a long, for a few years ago, and he was a pioneer then doing the, and he's a pioneer now. And I didn't, it hit me like a brick, fucking pioneer, Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know, what is this pioneership? And I, and I looked, it, it, it's kind of hit me in a way that it's like, well, oh, that's a pain in the ass because pioneers are, we start things um, and then we end up with nothing. <laughs> that's usually the way it is, pioneers, you know. Um, I got involved in the renewable energy business when nobody was doing it because we was living off grid. 
I know it's it's now everyone's putting solar panels up and it's all great and they're all and, and I'm not involved in it because there's a lot of bullshit with red tape with government things and all that stuff. So I don't I avoid that, you know. I don't get involved. I live a quiet life. I've chosen to live a life where I'm not in the rat race as such. Um, because it doesn't suit me. Um I also try and choose a lifestyle where I don't have to deal with the public too much because I can't handle people. You know, my my experience with the public is mostly to complain. You know, they're mostly complaining about what they didn't get or what they, you know, and that's hard work. You know, in that if you're selling stuff like solar panels, um, and and also expectations, people have huge expectations, and and people never read anything. I've learned that, you know, here, read this uh, information about this thing. You go, oh, yeah. And then they ask you tons of questions because it's all written in the thing. You know, that kind of thing I find difficult because I read stuff. You know, if you say, here, read that to me, I'll try and read it. And then I'll ask you questions that maybe are not in it. <laughs> so that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I, I live a quiet life um, because that's what suits me. Um, and if you... If Jim or somebody here says to me, I'll come up and see you tomorrow, um, maybe about three o'clock. Well, from now until three o'clock tomorrow, I'd be anxious about that. And even though I'd know you well, and you'd be a friend, I'd still be anxious about your visit, coming to see me. You know, that's who I am. That's And I've learned these wee things about myself from listening to other people. And, and I just take it easy. And that's okay to be anxious, you know, because I know Jim or I know you, and you're welcome here and I'll, and I'll be okay with you, you know. But dealing with the ordinary people, people who are not in recovery uh, and, and people who, like the public for selling stuff like solar panels or windmills, I've had so much heartache in that game. I just don't do it anymore. And, you know, and that's, I've learned that. I've learned my limitations, I suppose. And I'm still learning them. Um, and there's a lot of good things. If you think, you know, life is over when you're 40 or whatever it is, uh, it's a lot going on. And I have good friends here who are in this fellowship that I've learned, I've learned to be old from. I'm, I'm certainly, I'm only 63, 62, 63 is here. And I've learned to say that. I've learned to live with that. Because I have friends in their 70s plus who are living life to the full. Um, and and that's important to me, you know. It's important to live. I bought a boat a couple of years ago. We have bought a sailing boat when I was 60. And this is a sailing boat. And we've had great fun with that. Yeah, we're off with it. And, you know, learning to sail it and things like that. Getting out and about and doing things. Um, and those are the joys of life. And I have a good relationship with my partner. And I have a good relationship with my two daughters and my grandchildren. I spent a beautiful weekend with my, one of my daughters there recently in, in Cork City. Uh, we just spent one whole day um, on the Saturday because she wasn't working and her son was off playing hurling. Um, and we spent a, a day just in the kitchen cooking and talking. And we hadn't done that in a long time, you know. Because there's always other family members around, you know. Um, and it was just so lovely to be able to do that. And to be able on a level, to communicate with her on a real level, like I would with people maybe in these rooms. 
that's very important. Uh, there's no, there's no pussy button around, no bullshit. So, you know, it's a great out of space and, and I like it. And I hope it just, you know, survives for another while. It's, it's changing, you know, things change. And I've always, I've learned that. And if things don't change, there's something wrong, <laughs> you know. So I, I'd still probably leave it. I think I talked for far too long now, Jim. I say I'm gone at seven o'clock. So thanks a million.